Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 215 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thank you so much for being here today. Today's guest is Michael Fugoso, also known as Fugstrader on Instagram. I should say, better known as Fugstrader. Michael is a very talented designer and illustrator. During this episode, we talk about secret work for NASA. I was doing air quotes, secret work for NASA. He then shares with us how he started in real estate design and how Dragon Ball Z and like Ninja Turtle drawing stuff was where all of this creativity got kicked off when he was younger. We also talk about some very influential creators to him. And then we talk a little bit about DVD covers. Remember those? Standing up in the old uh, rental aisle, the old blockbuster. Gotta love those days. Michael then shares with us some struggles that he faced getting into freelance too quickly and lessons that he learned around that. He then tells us about a Nike project that he won, completed, but never saw the light of day. We then talk about design styles, what that even means, and how to find it, and do you find it, and all of that kind of stuff, and what plays into your design styles. He then shares with us the work that he's done recently for a space company and why he is so proud of it. This was a super fun conversation. We chatted a whole bunch before this interview, even a little bit after the interview, and I'm so happy that I get to share this with you. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Fugstrader. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Michael, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm good, dude. We're here. We're uh, live. Yep. Not live. I'm still, in, I'm still in my morning phase right now. It's <laughs> noon, but as we talked as we talked about prior to this recording, cool. See, if you can just say like noonish, right? Because then it could still technically be morning. It's just close to. No, okay, I screwed up. I'm I'm too honest, man. I'm an ominous person. It's it's twelve twelve. Oh, there <laughs> it is. Yep, twelve twelve. You're it's there's no going back from that now. <laughs> no going back. <laughs> awesome. Michael, well, even though you're still in your morning phase, are you ready for a quickie? Yeah, let's go. boy. Well, let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. About myself. Okay. I am um, an illustrator slash designer. No, dude, I'm more of a designer um, that for some reason I started illustrating things and became an illustrator. Yeah. But I can't draw stuff like a comic book illustrator would. I can't draw Wolverine or Cyclops or anything like that. But I could draw like buildings and planes, you know, jet and planes, rockets, space shuttles, rockets. Yeah, space shuttles. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I started posting on Instagram, started uh, it was like making rockets and spaceships and, and aerospace stuff. And all of a sudden I got all these aerospace clients. I work for an aerospace company now. Um, 
so that's pretty much that's pretty much what I do. Went to design school, studied design, uh, like the design basics, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, started some illustration type things, and then it just started ramping up from there. Nice. So how long have you been, like, did you do the, um, like, the, the in-studio thing first before you went and kicked it freelance? I did, like, you like, like working in-house and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like agencies. Yeah, so well, how did it go? I graduated from design school at age 30-something, 30 31, nice. and then I, I worked at, like, maybe one or two agencies. I worked at a real estate – I always tell people, if you want to make a ton of money right away out of college, work for a real estate company because they all have shitty designers and they all need help. <laughs> and they have, they yes. have deep pockets, too. It's not the sexiest work, maybe, but, like, yeah, you know – um, so I was a marketing director at a real estate firm yeah. and then, um, you know, was losing hair cause I was getting sick of that. And then, um, I got this job at the San Diego airport. I think that's what introduced me, uh, to all the aerospace stuff as a designer for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that's when I started drawing more jets and rockets and, and I threw cars in the mix too, you know, automotive. Okay, I'm a little bit jealous then because as a kid, I always wanted to draw cars and I tried my best, like a fifth, a fourth or fifth gen Corvette. That's what I tried to draw. It wouldn't have been, no, it would have been C3 and C4, those generations of Corvettes. And dude, right. I could never get the proportions right. I would look at it and go, this is just a dog's breakfast. It just doesn't look good. Cars are hard, man. Really like, hard. Okay, I'm going to be real. I don't concept draw cars <laughs> like i don't i don't draw my own cars i like i'll take an existing car yeah. the best thing you could do is is trace it because it's i mean you got to get the proportions right it's got to be exactly what it is yeah to be represented that way. unless you're doing like a small little icon type thing like you know little yeah. line art icon of a car <laughs> no, that's what I went to. I bought the, you know, the, what they call onion skin, that super thin paper. You just lay over things and just like trace it. So oh, that's what hand letterers use, right? I was to, a like... tracer. Oh, hey. Hey, I mean, I'm still kind of a tracer too. <laughs> the, se- <laughs> the secret's out. That's it. I'm really just a tracer. <laughs> yup. No custom stuff. I'm just kidding, man. No, but, we know. I mean, if it's some, actually, I'll be honest though. If it's like a space company that I'm working for, mm-hmm. and they want their proportions for their rocket to be, yeah, you know, I work with a ton of engineers. You make something abstract for them, they're like, no, you know, like <laughs> it's like no, the, the the plume of the rocket doesn't do that. You know what I mean? So it's like mm-hmm. you, sometimes you got to be a tracer for for some of these engineers. So definitely, you know, there's uh, elements of that for sure. Now I I gotta ask you, and and I really need you. To just, I know you're an honest guy, and I really need some honesty here. <laughs> okay, Michael, are, okay. are you secretly Go working by. for NASA? Secret? <laughs> I um, I'm not secretly working for them. I I I'm pretty open worded about it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Every time I could. <laughs> Every time. Every time I could. Want, yeah. If I could flaunt, uh, flaunt it, I, I do. And uh, but I, I wouldn't say I work for them. I work for, like, I have a representative that reaches out to me for a few products here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not like you know an employee of NASA or anything like that. No, you're pretty much an employee. You're a high high level manager. It's okay. I, <laughs> I get it. We'll keep the shroud. We'll keep the mystique. I like it. <laughs> so, Michael, I want to kick this back a little bit now. Um, 
Let's kick this back to childhood. What was your childhood like? Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career direction? Um, yes. It's funny you say that because um, that's all I like to do when I was like, you know, when you'd have those parent-teacher conferences? And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. They'd be like, why is this kid just drawing on, you know, on his homework and stuff like that? But like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was me, man. I was... um. I used to draw a bunch of stuff as a child and then I got into drawing Ninja Turtles with funky proportions and then I, what else did I do? I um, drew my friends as Dragon Ball Z characters nice. and then I just stopped drawing. <laughs> I stopped drawing for uh, for years. Probably didn't pick it back up until, um, until after I graduated from college. So maybe fourth grade I stopped drawing and then I started again when I finished college. Isn't that weird? Yeah, that's it's a big gap like in between. So <laughs> so you just went like hardcore academic math and science in between, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, man. And I think it I look, I'll I'll never blame my parents for this cuz they're the most open-minded parent, awesome parents ever. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an Asian family thing where it's like they want you to be a doctor, you know. I've heard that before, or, man. I've heard that. Yeah, so you know, you kind of just do what's expected of you. It's funny. I don't remember anyone really telling me to do that. It's just, it just seemed like that was what was expected. Be a doctor, be an engineer. Mm-hmm. That's probably another reason. My, I come from a family of engineers. That's probably where my background in aerospace comes from. Because my oh, dad cool. used to take me to air shows. And um, yeah, man. I love air shows. Yeah, so, right? Yeah. So then I got to ask you, what do you think of the, uh, the SR-72 concepts? Oh, dude, I, I mean, I like, I like the SR, you know, it's, it's a little bit too much of a departure for me for the mm-hmm. SR7. It looks cool. I like it. I mean, I like new things, but like, you know, that, that, that original SR71 is just my, uh, it's just too, I'm just too attached to that, Yeah. you know, At the, they used it in X, X-Men, right? A couple of times in all the X-Men movies. Did they, the Did new the one? Bird? No, the old one, the original one. I think they just turned it blue. No, okay. yeah, you know now the truth. Now you're putting me on the spot because I've I haven't no, watched sorry. Marvel movies and that kind of. Th- I haven't. I just didn't get into them. That's probably a good thing, man. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> I envy you. My kids are my kids are big into them. I just I don't know. <laughs> you know, actually, my fa- oh, totally off topic here, but my favorite movie recently actually is um, one called Chef. Have you seen it? Is that with Favreau? It's an older movie. Yeah, with Favreau. Yeah, it's an older movie now, but my favorite. One of my favorites up there. Is it where he has a food truck? I haven't seen it, but... Yeah. Yeah, so okay, he's okay. he's this, like, high-end chef, and then he gets he basically gets told by the restaurant owner, no, you're cooking my menu. You're not going to depart from my menu. And he just goes, oh. see ya. I'm out. And... Uh, goes out and through like I'm not going to give the whole story away but eventually he gets a food truck and it's a dynamite hit and the music is just awesome. I'm sorry to go off tangent man but how many designers do you know like that where they're like okay you're designing for this agency you're doing this and they're like nope see ya I'm off <laughs> menu now. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like how you course corrected and brought it back to design. <laughs> you should host this. Well, Let's brother, switch seats. My brother Oh no, man! No, dude! No, you—you're the man. I'm just—I'm uh, just—I'm just a dude. But my brother is a chef. He's a chef. 
I'm That's about cool. to go off on another chef tangent if you want to. That's cool. Like that to. would be that would be a backup backup career for me. Like I love cooking. I do most of the cooking in the house, but you know, having the time and freedom to experiment with it that's that's what I'd really like to do. That'd be cool. Oh man, is it like making cupcakes? How you like you love making cupcakes, but the second you get paid to do make cupcakes, you're like, oh, I hate this. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I've never worked in a kitchen, oh. so I can't really say. But I oh. <laughs> I love cooking and just being creative and experimenting and just trying different things with um, with food and seeing what we can cook up. <laughs> no pun intended. Heck yeah! Wait, are you in Canada somewhere? What gave it away? I think I've read something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm up up in Vancouver. Oh, dude, Vancouver is like one of my favorite freaking cities, man. I I was like, I wish we could just go out and hang out right now. Oh, wait, we can't because of all the social distancing stuff. Definitely. And I'll, yeah, but okay, cool. Sorry, man. We'll get back on track. See, I brought you back on track and I got you off it again. Okay, no, let's let's wheel this around. Okay, so you grew up in this, <laughs> in in the you know the environment of you know math, science, engineer, doctor, um, and you know yeah. through that middle part of your life, you're you're looking at that and you're sort of going for that. Did you have any yeah. other family members, aunts, uncles, or a teacher or somebody who turned you back onto design and creative? Oh man, um, that's good. I I don't think so. I think uh, I was – oh, man, I have a long story about this. So I'll try – okay, I'll make it quickie though. All right. Um, it's quickie-ish. So I was I was engaged, sort of. I didn't buy her a ring or anything, <laughs> but, but I talked to her <laughs> – I talked to her dad. You know, she was in Japan. I talked to her dad about, about marrying her. But that fell through. Yep. And then after that fell through, I was like, wow, I have all this freedom I was like 27, 28 or so. Okay. I have all this freedom. And then and then that's when I looked back at the childhood. And so I pretty much made the realization myself. And then my mom, I think, enforced it saying like, because she knew that I was terrible at everything I did to that point. Like, you know, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I worked at like the real estate companies as, as a loan processor. I worked at banks and stuff. And I was preparing for a family. I was preparing to have kids and, you know. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff. And then she knew I was terrible at that stuff. And she's like, you have all this time. Um, be selfish. Do something that you want to do. And I was like, what do I want to do? You know how people get to that? And yep. then I thought back to childhood. And I went to graphic design school on impulse, thinking that's art school. <laughs> nice. But then, yes. like, so as soon as you arrive and you dive into the class, you're like, oh, this feels so right. Yeah, you know what's funny is like my first class, I was like, what the fuck is – I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I can't curse no, you. No, no, right? you're fine. I'm sorry. I was like, what is this, dude? Because it was like, hey, it was widows and orphans and um, – Yep. You know what I mean? Like here's InDesign and here's how to how to like format a bunch of paragraphs. So my first class was kind of – turned me off a bit to be honest. And then um, it was like the design basics teacher that came in mm-hmm. and taught me about hierarchy – Yep. And how to make things stand out. And I think once that class hit me, that's when I was like, okay, I'm actually better at this stuff than I am in actual like drawing things. So, um, and that's when um, I started focusing more on like, you know, design basic type stuff. 
illustrating with design principles. There you go. That's what I think that's what I was trying to tell you this whole time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> illustrating with design principles. I like that. Yeah. So Michael, is there one specific illustration or design or something that you saw that you could say, um, you know, was really influential to you? You just saw it and it's stuck with you since? Oh, dude, it's, Oh, one thing. There's this. Okay, there's this. Um, there's this Japanese graphic designer, a famous guy, Shigeo Fukuda. Okay. Um, when I when I first saw his work, I was like, I didn't know you can make things that simple and powerful. So, um, it's his work that got me into that. Like, you know. Oh, wait, no, no, no. I got a, I got a more fun example that looks like his work. Um, do, do you know that anime Cowboy Bebop? No. Damn it! It's all good. But they made these DVD covers, and um, I that's where I took all my inspiration for my work. <laughs> hey, Cowboy Bebop? Yes. Okay. Uh, they're actually making a live action of it, too. Nice. But, um, yeah, that's, yeah, so I, I, that's, I saw those DVD covers, and mm-hmm. I was like, I want to make work that looks like this. Um, that's cool. And I can send that to you afterwards if you want, like, a visual. Yeah, send that along. I'd love to one. see that. I just don't have the DVDs with me on me right now. <laughs> it's all good. They're over <laughs> over in your shelf off to this side. <laughs> I'm back in the, you know, another city. Okay. There you Sweet. go. Uh, Michael, who are some <laughs> of the designers and brands that you look up to now and closely follow now? And uh, what do you like about them? Oh, okay. Well, DK, DK and G studios. Um, yeah, they're a them. huge... they're a huge inspiration to me like i lived in san diego they were in la so they were pretty close i actually asked him if i can go to his house and he was like yes so that was like made me like him even more (laughs) (laughs) so like uh, yeah you hear that guys just ask him if to go to his house you know what i mean yeah Um, (laughs) just ask hey can i come to your house (laughs) no uh yeah so well about them is like I saw that they make very simple flat things so they they are basically designers that illustrate too mm-hmm. so they um they make very simple flat things and they throw layers and layers of detail over it mm-hmm. so I think once I saw them do that it gave me the inspiration to do a lot of the stuff I do now so they were a huge influence in what I do um Muscaton is another one mm-hmm. uh, I don't do anything like Muscaton does but he came to our school design school and told us taught us about instagram and why we should be sharing our work so he was another huge influence um people i've uh owen davy draws uh, i really like there's so many there's so many man uh-huh. i'll give you those three though those are huge huge ones for me no that's awesome so dkng you saw that they were doing uh illustration with design principles and that yeah. really just aligned with you and the type of work that you wanted to create yeah, because I knew I wanted to illustrate. I just didn't know how to do that too much, mm-hmm. you know. But like at that time when I was like, you know, start or like uh, starting the workforce, I guess in design, I was like, I was a web designer pretty much, and I was doing stuff, doing more brand development stuff, like, you know, like oh, here's a brand package, a logo, and mm-hmm. here's your fonts and your colors. I was doing a lot of that, and I did enjoy that stuff. But I was like, I want to throw more custom work in there. And, and then I found out that illustration was a way to do custom work. And then I saw that DKNG was uh, was doing it right or doing it the way that I'd like to do it too. So Very cool. That's kind of the, yeah. Nice. Well, 
the next few questions I have for you, Michael, take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those terrible stories out of you and share those with the listeners. And then uh, I got a couple happy questions and we'll wrap it up. Dude, I love dark questions. Let's go. <laughs> so what has been the <laughs> most challenging period of time in your creative and design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? I have two that I could think of okay. for right now. First was I think I went into freelance too early mm. um, because I didn't have any padding, like financial padding. And I, I just learned this from these uh, these ladies. Uh, I just like learned this two weeks ago, actually. <laughs> uh, pretty useful, Co. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering, like, why was I struggling with, with uh, freelancers? Because I didn't have a financial padding to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. And I wasn't prepared for the lows. So um, there's a lot of highs in freelance. I think I got into it because I had two clients or so had me on retainer. They were paying me more than I thought I'd ever get paid. Uh And I was like, yes, this is going to last forever. But once the contract is done, it's like, okay, I have some money here. I'm going to use that for travel and I'm going to be fun and then come back and have no money. And, uh, and starting freelance and having no money is, uh, is a really, really tough thing to do. Uh Um, so I would say not having financial padding was was one of the darkest times because I would have to live th- as thin as I could. Mm-hmm. So how did <laughs> you, know, you to, to sustain that? So how did you get through that then? Like, was it just keep your nose down, spend as little as possible, and try and sell, sell, yeah. sell, find those clients? Yeah, cause it's dude. I was so addicted to Instagram too. It's like when you're doing Instagram stuff and posting every week, you're basically doing free work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, I mean, you're doing free work for yourself and, and also for your, for your viewers, but, uh, keeping up with that, not knowing you're not going to get paid and also, um, looking for the, doing the client onboarding and looking for clients and stuff like that. Like, um, that was a pretty, pretty rough time. So I was basically, I was putting all this work and effort in not getting any, any, um, any money or financial feedback, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, uh, my solution to that was, um, was to find a job and um which i was like for about maybe one year or so i was trying to search for the right job and i'll tell you what it's super hard going from freelance and getting a job because you're in this whole free you're yeah you're like in a free mental state and you have everybody around you telling you like what are you doing man you had it right doing your own thing Mm -hmm. because that's what i want to do you're finding a job like you have so many uh and, you know, with stuff like the Internet and how much information we consume, it's like the more people tell you stuff, it's just like, you know, information overload. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did feel like that for now, that was the the easiest thing to do. And the, the most like uh, uh, for the quality of life, it was it was best for my brain, mm-hmm. I guess. And um, I needed a bit more structure uh, and I needed to find the right job. It took me about a year I was in and out of jobs. I know that's bad. I know that's it's bad going to a job and leaving it right away. I don't. I didn't intend to do that, but I found the right job now, and um, and that was that's how I got through it was because I knew what I was doing with freelance was not sustainable. Um, it's funny because I'm sorry I have this super long answer. I don't know. No, this I love this. Podcast, Keep going. I, got, I just I just had um. The moment I thought I was doing awesome at freelance and I finally got the grasp of it, this job came in. Isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> Always the way you know, it works. Um, 
Yeah, like uh, I, I figured it out. It's like hiring an accountant, uh, getting an agent and stuff was was really crucial to to your mind space as a freelancer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, the mindset of doing everything yourself is really the killer in everything. Um, but right when I figured that out, this job came in and I was like, ah, this is, you know, it's the perfect job for me. It's in aerospace, you know what I mean? It's for a big aerospace company. It's not NASA. Uh but it's it's another one, <laughs> and um, yeah. So that's that's where I am today. Very cool. So that's yeah. how long have you been there at that new aerospace gig? Since December. Since December. Okay. Uh, so yeah, prior to that, I did a few government design jobs. Like I worked as a designer for the government. Those were, oh, uh, you know, it wasn't for me. Yeah. So <laughs> government. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I want to get a little bit more specific now with this next one. Um, can you take okay. us to a specific design or a specific project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah, dude, there's there's kind of a number of those. Let's see. What's, what's the... Uh... Okay, I had a Nike project that I was really excited about. Uh-huh. Um and that's that was kind of like the biggest heartbreaker because it's like you you wait for a client. That's one of my first clients, cool clients I've had. You know what I mean? You wait for someone to reach out to you. They do, and you're really excited to work with them. You make the the best thing you can, and then yeah, they did. They they don't like it. They don't use it, and you're like, you get paid for it, but it just you still don't. You know, it's still it's still a heartbreaker, though. Yeah, it's not always about the paycheck. You know, it's, it's yeah. first off, it's an exciting company that, you know, all designers hear about and want to be like, oh, I'd love to do some Nike work or, you know, work with some yeah. of those big, well-known brands. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you do that work, they're usually very ethical and you will get paid. Right. But that's yeah. not the full picture. You want to see that work out there. You want to see people reacting well, to your work. Yeah. You want to see people wearing it, you know. You want to take those nice photos and um, immortalize it. You know what I mean? You want to immortalize that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what, though, it was a good lesson for me. It it made me realize that the type of stuff I do isn't the greatest fit for uh, for you know for a lot of their what Nike does or maybe a lot of that bold uh, fashion type stuff is. Mm-hmm. So um, it helped me to kind of shift gears. And, and figure out what I'm really a good fit for, which was, you know, which ultimately ended up being aerospace design. So. Interesting. So that opportunity, even though it sucked, you it also caused you to reflect on your style and sort of better align yourself with sort of future prospects and, and other, you know, position yourself yeah. properly. Yeah. Every time something goes wrong, it's, I just think like, you know, what could I have what did I do wrong? And, you know, I just try to be as honest with myself as I could be. Not, I don't try to beat myself up. I was like, what can I do to fix this next time? Yeah. And um, I came to the conclusion to not fix it because I didn't enjoy making stuff that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, let's tailor it to something that's that's a better fit. That was my solution at the, at the time. And I think it's 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 paid off so far. Man, that's so good when you can when you can see that and realize that why am I going to change my style to try and fit this mold? Like I'm really good at this. I should just continue yes. to be really good at this. Right. And I think like I get people asking me uh how you develop a style and um you know, like 
honestly, the best, that's the best answer is just to know yourself as much as you can. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, it's not like, Hey, you know, you start, I want to start making things in blues and purples and that's my style or, you know, you, uh-huh. you can't just approach it that way. It's really, I don't want to get all spiritual or anything like that, you know, but it's like, it's more of like, like finding what, what you can enjoy over a sustainable period of time. And, uh-huh. um, my answer to that was, was childhood because the stuff that you liked in childhood that you like now that has lasted the test of time. You know, it's not like, um, it's not like you're a big fan of Game of Thrones and then, you know, the final season of Game of Thrones kind of kills it for you. And now you're not a fan of Game of Thrones anymore. You yeah. know, so it's not something like that where you it does not last the test of time. It's like you have something that had that longevity, something that you're going to do over and over and over again and not really get tired of it. That's I think that's where your style ultimately comes from. You know, it's interesting you you say that too, because I have a I have another podcast called the Print Design Podcast, just recently launched this week, actually. Yeah. And episode three, um, we, we do these ask the audience questions. So where right. the guest asks an ask a question, we post it up on Instagram, and you know people comment and answer it there. Um, and my guest for episode three is Scott Santoro. He's an author and design instructor at oh, Pratt, yeah. Pratt Institute. Um, but he asked the question why does your work look the way it does? And that's exactly, you know, that essentially is looking at your style, your work, the things you create and aligning those things with your childhood, the way you were raised, the things you were taught, the environment you grew up in. Because all of those things play into a unique style for each individual person. Yeah. Dude, like, a lot of my stuff has Japan influence to it. It's because mm-hmm. I love Japan. And um, I was a huge Japanophile. I had the Dragon Ball Z hair, the stylish holes in my jeans. You know what I nice. mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I like that. Like, why Why does your stuff look the way it does? I think yeah. that's, you know, I'm I'm going to steal that. Not steal it, but You're gonna borrow I'm going to use that. Yeah. I'm so, going to borrow it. <laughs> that's, you know, and that's how you, even though you may not be able to identify and write down on paper a description of what your style is, if yeah. you are given the same brief as 10 other designers, the exact same brief, every single logo or whatever they're creating will look different in some way. Right. And that's yes. all an influence on your childhood, the environment, the things you grew up with, the things that you loved, you were, you know, into Japanese culture and anime. So that, whether you knew it or not, will play into your style because you have all of that creative inspiration and vision locked in. Yeah. You know, some people ask me, like, how do you design motion, like a still frame of motion so well with all these motion lines? I'm like, that's from anime, dude. (laughs) There you go. See, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, you don't, it's hard to put a label on your style, but yeah. know that you do have a style and it's, you know, you, it's hard to go out of your way to change your style. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to other designers too, where they were like, it's, it's also wrong to force your style upon a client. Yes. And, um, yeah, that's a tough one, man. Because it's like I don't ever think I'm forcing them. I think most of the time it's you know they see what you do on Instagram and they're like, make it look like that. Yeah, you know? totally. Right? They're they're familiar with your work at least usually. Now, yeah. Do you ever get into a situation where a client approaches you with a brief and with some details on a project, and you go, oh, this does not align. 
all the time, dude. Like that's one thing I had to teach myself over like because there were, you know, sometimes you get like, you know, a purchase order that's like a crazy amount and you get really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the and then you look at the, you know, what the project is about. And you're like, okay, this reminds me of all the stuff I hated in, in, in the industry. Like, I hated working in real estate stuff. The biggest real estate company comes to you with this gigantic brief, like, hey, or, or gigantic budget. And they're like, can you make this for me? Like, do I take the money and be miserable working on this project? Or, and the answer was yes, take the money. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I took... I took that one. Okay, I I figured out way problems. I problem solved ways to make that enjoyable for me. That was kind of an exception, but like a lot of times, if um, even if the money is there, and you know, I I just know that I wouldn't make the best product for the client. I I wouldn't take it mm -hmm. because uh, you're you're doing the client a disservice mm -hmm. as well for uh, you know, because you know ultimately you're not going to deliver the thing that they want, yeah, or the thing that would make you uh excited to work with them, and yeah, so. That is another big lesson, I think, is, yeah, it's just saying no to a bunch of stuff. Um, totally. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's different. Real estate's a little bit different because with those marketing packages, that, you know, for those developments, you can get a little bit abstract. Yeah. You can get a little bit designy. You know, you can yeah. find some, there's some gray area there where you can just create. But maybe if, they make like a futuristic city or something like that. Right. All these like cool apartments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And C3 Corvettes just everywhere. Yes. <laughs> but if like you were saying, you know, you were you did some government work before and you knew that it was like, ah, oh, this is not this is not for oh, me, man. right? That corporate style. That, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, man. Uh, but that's an example of me taking something that I knew I was wrong. Uh, you know, for a paycheck. Yep. A, a constant paycheck. And um Yep, and in three months, you know, that's when I was like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, you know, like yeah. So, it's I think it's an ongoing lesson that we know. It's one of those lessons that you know you have to, you know, you have to consider, but it just keeps coming back at you, and you have to think about it every single time it comes. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, hundred percent. It's it, there isn't always a direct line to a correct answer. Sometimes you just got to yeah. venture down the road and see where you end up. Right. If you're worried about paying next month's rent, then maybe you will take that thing. Yes. Whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got it, man. Okay, yeah. well, um, last question about the tough stuff. What is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Uh, energy management. Energy management. Uh, yeah, I'm drinking this green juice right now. Uh, it, you know. Okay, hold on a second. It, when you say green juice, are you okay. saying like lime Kool-Aid? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of like that, you know. It's a, um, it's this company. It's funny. It's this company that reached out to me for like a sponsorship type of thing that we ended up not working. But I like their product. It's called G Fuel. Yeah, it's nice. probably not good for you. G, <laughs> but, G Fuel, new from Kool Aid. Yeah, it's from this company. <laughs> it's funny. It's from this company called Gamma Something. They're, I guess, it's. Uh, you know, it's really in relation to the Hulk. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it, it, you know, it just sucks that I have to depend on this stuff. This is what I'm saying. Like my energy management. So I think my time management's okay. It's just I want to do so many things. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to continue the in, like 
I'm still obsessed with posting on Instagram and um, I and I don't know if you noticed, but my frequency is super low. Like maybe I would post once every two or three weeks. I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, we will talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's I want to do a lot of that. I want to do a YouTube channel. I want to kill mm-hmm. it at this cool job that I have, you know, and um, I wanted to move to a new city and everything like I'm getting the right amount of sleep. I, I am delivering on some stuff, but my energy is like, yeah, I, I don't know that yet. Like sometimes I sleep in weird hours and um, sometimes I know when to sleep at the right hours, but can't sleep. So I don't know what my body is telling me. That's what I'm struggling <laughs> with the most now. Got it. Yeah, I'm not the uh, the right guy to advise you on the success path for that. <laughs> I don't know who is, man, because everybody's different, right? So That's true. You know? So I don't know who... Yeah, I think it's something that everyone has to figure out on their own. Right on. Well, let's turn this bus around here, Michael. I want to um, now ask you, tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. Oh, shoot. Uh... Oh, okay, it's funny. Um, it's this company called Ariane Space. They're a French space company. Okay. And um, I love. Okay, I made two badges for them, and then I made them in this flat style and in this paper style. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, and that was fairly recently. I think that was one of my favorite projects I've ever done because I've worked with all these space companies, and um, I think I was telling you earlier that working with engineers is tough sometimes because they they really want their they want things to make sense a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Ariana space is like, just do your thing. You know, <laughs> the first thing, nice. so one of the first, first ones you're like, yeah, like make the rockets look like the rockets, but like, you know, do, you know, do, do what's ultimately what you do. So I think, um, just making, being able to put my own vision on, on a space project, uh, and for an official space company like that was, was, was pretty psyched. I was pretty psyched for that. Um, yeah, so that that was probably the, the biggest project that I was like, yes. <laughs> Very cool. So from being given that project to completion, how long did that take you? Yeah, home. You know, you know, okay, I think another reason why I like that project is because my client was very lenient with me. It was one of the first projects where I didn't hit deadlines. Where I was like, I want to do, like I would make it, I would finish it and be like, hey, this is how it looks, but I have an idea. I want to change it completely. So, so there... <laughs> It was one of the first projects where I was kind of a, I was the jerk, maybe. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, you know, like, so there was a lot of ups and lots of downs, and I was like, I'm gonna scrap this and I'm gonna change this, and then and then the um, the guy was just so cool, man. He was just like, yeah, we yeah, there's no, we can extend this, no problem, and yeah. if you want to make this the way you want to make it, then, then cool. Yeah, yeah. So the I think yeah. <laughs> that was that was one of the first times where I was like that though, where. Uh, just because I was so excited about making that, making the stuff, I think mm-hmm. I felt the, not the freedom or maybe or the need, but I just felt like some type of energy to be like, "Hey, man, can I do this? Can I do that?" And sometimes asking doesn't doesn't hurt. So that's a cool one, man. Yeah. You know, I love the idea also of like just niching down into that aerospace industry, like. You just think of designers, you know, there's designers that go after athletics. There's designers that go after, um, you know, all these different markets. But the market you're pursuing is aerospace. Like, that's awesome. Like that, Yeah, right. 
that just seems to me like it's a it's an industry that is like ripe for needing some amazing creative. Yeah, it's it's funny, man. I don't see a I see a lot of designers doing um like maybe some type of fan art for yep. for these companies like SpaceX or something like that, but like I don't see a lot pursuing uh working for them and and the funny thing is like they all need design help. Like yeah. look at all these companies like they make amazing product. They put all their money towards making these awesome um technical feats, you know? Yeah. But uh Sometimes the marketing stuff isn't there, and um, mm-hmm. all of them need it. I'm I'm just inviting you guys to be 100. You need to start to like yeah. tagging SpaceX and Elon Musk in every single aerospace post <laughs> you put out. That's how I ended up with the NASA stuff is just tagging the shit out of them, you know. So. Done. Yeah, just continue on that path. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Saying that is, um, I bought a Tesla. So when I bought a Tesla, oh, nice. I posted it on Instagram. And right. that day, oh, yeah. I look down on my phone and I see this Instagram notification of a new follower. And I look and at first glance, it says Elon Musk. And I'm like, oh, damn, no way. And then I look closer at it and it's a picture of Elon Musk, but it says Elon's Musk. <laughs> so I screenshotted it, but I got a follow. I got a new follower the day I posted a picture of my Tesla, and it was Elon's Musk. <laughs> so you never know, but just be wary. It may be Elon's Musk following you instead of hey. Elon Musk, but it's all good. But that's, that's, I mean, like, I wonder how Elon's Musk is like, you know? Yeah. I mean, what is that? <laughs> I imagine like Take a whiff of that. A little bit of like mechanical plus, you know, that electrical burning smell with like just some some raw cedar redwood tossed in. Oh yeah. I don't know. That sounds, just, that's a that's a unique fragrance for sure. He should have his own fragrance, wouldn't that be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean like oh man. Did you hear that he sold like all of his stuff? Yeah. He just like he Yeah, he just wants to go to Mars and he's like, My stuff is weighing me down, so yeah, I didn't buy any of it, but I saw. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has a billion dollar house somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyway. anyway. Um, uh, all right, Michael, we've made it to the final question here, which is the ask it forward question. This is where I have a question for you from my last okay. guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Oh, okay. So my last okay, guest go, go was uh, Tad Carpenter from Carpenter Collective. Yeah. And this was a riot of, of an interview. This like this was a marathon interview. I think we were like near the two hour mark, like pretty quick. But it was, oh, wow. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's pretty crazy. You'll, you'll hear that one coming out pretty quick here. But he wanted to ask you Please. simply, what was the last gift you gave someone? Um, it was actually two days ago. Okay. I gave, it was my friend's birthday and I gave her a hundred dollars on Venmo. Nice. Hey, <laughs> just apped it. Just sent it over hundred bones. <laughs> it's it just like, bam. And then before that was my brother. And I was like, I gave him a catalog of this company here called howler brothers because he wanted some clothes yeah i was like just pick out what you want and i'll order it 
that was the gift before that. But he didn't pick it yet, so technically the gift was a hundred bucks. That was the last gift. A hundred bucks. I like it. So, Michael, what is your ask it forward question for my next guest? Um, do you be honest about how much how much free work do you do? And be honest. All right. Because <laughs> I do free work all the time. And it's benefited me a ton, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, I hear, there's just there's just a bunch of uh, words out there that's like anti-free work, and I get it. You don't do free work, but I think there's a way to spin that in a positive. I think so, so. too. Yeah, there, there's yeah. you know you you have the the negative aspect of it where clients are coming to you be like, oh, but think of your exposure. You know, like yes. there's that angle of it, but then there's helping the things that are important to you and close to you and that you believe in. Right. So there's, there's two sides of that. I I agree. So that's a good question. I love it. Yeah. We were, we were just talking about like, you know, if you were to take a project with this massive budget, but you Mm -hmm. know, you're going to be miserable take doing the project. It's like, is it the right thing to take it for? You know, that's, that's the opposite. end. it's like, now that's just the money that's just getting paid, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. But I always like asking that question. Um, so a lot of the talks I do, I'm like, I talk about how to turn free work into your favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just like, like, I want designers talking about about their free work, passion projects. You know what I mean? So the passion projects. Would, yeah. I love it. Yes. I love that question. I'm going to ask that of my next guest. And man, you have made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast. Michael, thank you so much for your time on the show today. Absolutely. Did we make it to the one hour mark? We did. Yeah, we're pretty close. Sweet. I wish I did the two-hour one, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's maybe it's the morning, or maybe it's because I I don't know. But yeah, we we did we that. Do this we thing. did that one in the uh, in the evening because he had young kids. My kids were here, so we did that in the evening when we were like finally all kid-free. So it was probably like the yeah. first like adult human we we had both talked to that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it went. Oh man, yeah, dude, that's pretty. Yeah, heck yeah, dude. Thanks, thanks for having me on here, dude. No, it was Seriously. awesome having you. Super, super good. I've seen your work for so long, and I'm so glad we can connect on here. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime you want to do something, just let me know, and I'll be like, Dave, what's up? Let's go. Awesome. All right, all right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. Appreciate your attention here. If you're digging what you're hearing, head over to. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And please leave a rating and a review. Really appreciate it. Have a great day. See you later.